There are people who get up every day and work to protect us from toxic chemicals in our food, our water, and our air, in the products we buy, in the places we work, and in our homes. They devote their lives to preventing cancer, learning disabilities, and other harm, but they are mostly unknown and unheralded. They're Toxic Avengers, and you'll meet them here on the Toxic Avengers podcast. Welcome to episode 10 of the Toxic Avengers podcast. Thanks for joining. For this episode, we have part two of my conversation with Dr. Mark Mitchell, founder of the Hartford Environmental Justice Network, later renamed the Connecticut Coalition for Environmental Justice, or CCEJ. In part two, we discuss Dr. Mitchell's unhappy tenure as the health director for the city of Hartford, Connecticut, and the systemic and institutional racism that led to his founding of CCEJ. We talk about CCEJ's work against the disproportionate placement of power plants and incinerators in the Connecticut cities with majorities of people of color. We also discuss the growing power and influence of CCEJ in Connecticut and the transformational impact of the work for many of CCEJ's members. Here's part two of my interview with Dr. Mark Mitchell, recorded in January. Okay, so basically, I, I think I know that you were in Kansas City and then went to Hartford. Right. Is that? Yeah, yeah. So I was the deputy director of the health department in Hartford. And at that time, um, we had a city manager form of government uh, and the assistant city manager in in, in um, Kansas City, I'm sorry, uh, became the city manager in Hartford and in, invited me to apply. And I said, well, you know, I don't really want to go to Hartford. You know, I, I, I really want to work on, you know, systemic racism and, uh, and health disparities. Um, uh, you know, so I want to go, you know, a place that has, uh, people of color. <laughs> <laughs> and mm-hmm. so he told me, well, <laughs> um, Hartford is 80. Yeah, they don't have either of those here. Well, they couldn't possibly. It's Connecticut. How could they possibly have people? <laughs> yeah, right. So it turns out that, that Hartford is 80% black and Latino. Uh, and so. <laughs> right, who, who knew? Right, who, who knew? Who could possibly? <laughs> so I go to Hartford take the job. Uh, and it was the worst thing that I could have ever done. It was so bad. Um, I would go to public health meetings and people and other health officials would, would let from, uh, from, they were sitting at tables, uh, uh, not at my table, but at other tables, they would turn around and laugh and say, no, that didn't really happen. No, that didn't really happen. Uh, tell us how we can avoid what what you're doing, right? <laughs> what, you're, what you're going through right now. <laughs> and they would be laughing at, at the stuff that I was talking. It, it was it was bad, 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 crazy stuff. And over and over and over again, my employees said, Oh, you are so good at remembrances of employees who have died uh, because you've done so many of these. Um, you were so good at. You, we had four employees die in two years. Um, so, you know, so people told me that I aged, you know, uh, uh, fifteen years um, in that time, and I'm and I actually did. So uh, after I left the health department, um, I took some time off and was trying to decide what I was doing, and I was uh, the uh, uh, Hartford Hospital, the the um, uh, 
They gave me an office in the mental institution for free, you know, while I could try to figure. And my office was located across the hall from the previous health directors <laughs> in the mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so, so so anyway right so yeah so anyway so then the the follow the health director who followed me uh i asked her one time you know how are things going she said oh you know things are terrible uh people come in late they leave early and i said wow if those are all the problems you have uh then i have done my job <laughs> you know how long were you there years Four years. So long four years. Long four years. Uh, so why did you stay in Hartford? So, like I said, they told me when I got there, you know, you won't like it here, but it'll grow on you. <laughs> so it grew yeah. on me. It, so <laughs> okay. it, I became, Hartford is a small city with lots of problems, but the problems are manageable. And it's much easier for one person to make a, a difference uh, in Hartford mm, than mm-hmm. it is in, you know, a larger city, you know, so you can see the results of policy changes. So, you know, so mm-hmm. after I left the Hartford Health Department, well, let me see. I have um, uh, two Genesis stories, uh, like the Bible, uh, mm-hmm. uh, about how I got into <laughs> environmental justice. Uh, so yeah, that's where we're, okay. So one of them was um, uh, that's great. Two Genesis stories. I mean, that's. I just need. Do you have three Exodus stories? No, that's great. Two Genesis stories is awesome. Go ahead, hit me. So I'll give you the shorter one. Um, the shorter one is that. Um, uh, after I was, uh, after I left, I was trying to figure out, you know, I, I decided that, oh, so what happened was I decided, I, I started looking at, uh, the causes of death and the causes of, um, health disparities and most causes of death were declining, but it seemed like those are related to, uh, the environment were increasing and the only people I was hearing from about you know, as health director, I was getting, you know, uh, there are lots of people who want you to do lots of different things. Uh, uh, there are lots of j- different interests uh, who um, you hear from, you know, business interests, uh, community groups, you know, in the media and, and just lots of stuff. And so mm-hmm. the only people I was hearing about was from industry, from businesses and industry that were saying that we sh- that we were over-regulating. When it was clear to me that we were underregulating, uh, that that people are suffering the health ex- effects from the exposures from industries, and that that people don't know about it, that the community groups, that that uh, the politicians, that people don't really know about it, even public health professionals um, aren't really seeing that, except a small group in environmental health. I also recognized that that of all of the interest groups the most powerful ones were the business interest and also the organized community in, uh, interest if they mm-hmm. had you know community organizations they they could build up the power to counter the business interest 
and you know that that their interests were more aligned with with what health public health knows what needs to knows what needs to be done but doesn't have the political support uh, to do and that uh, community groups could provide that kind of political support so one day after i had left the health department my second genesis story i was asked to do some camp physicals for some kids across the street from my office after I had moved out of the mental health institution. And so, <laughs> after you were released. released um, uh, <laughs> um, and, um, uh, and I, there were, uh, there were almost all like uh, Latino children in this, you know, uh, church camp. And I started mm-hmm. doing the physicals and I noticed that about a third of the, of the children had asthma. And, you know, and I had just been hmm. the health director and I knew that there, that we didn't know of any large amount of asthma in the city. And so I called my colleague at the state health department who was in charge of investigating chronic illness related outbreaks, an epidemiologist. Mm-hmm. And she told me, well, you know, first of all, Asthma is not a reportable disease. So, we first of all, you only examine like 30 kids. And so, it's mm-hmm. not a statistically significant sample. I said, yeah, I know that. That's <laughs> why I brought it to you, uh, who was supposed to be investigating outbreaks of environmental-related right. diseases. And then she said, well, secondly, asthma is not reportable. Um, so, we don't know who has asthma, who doesn't have asthma. And thirdly... It's not unusual for a third of inner city kids to have asthma. So it's okay. It's okay for, uh, yeah, for inner right. city kids to have asthma. That, that doesn't count. You know, they're not, you know, real people. And so the, the church group gave me a little certificate and, you know, and they thanked me and, and, and asked me to speak. I said, well, thank you for the certificate, but you don't know what you've done. I am pissed and I am going to start a grassroots organization to make public health do what public health is supposed to do. And so that's what I did. <laughs> that's when you became a toxic that's when Avenger. I became a toxic Avenger. I started the, the yeah. uh, Connecticut Coalition for Environmental Justice and we organized and organized and organized and we were very successful. So, what year does that start? So we officially opened in 1998. Um, we, you know, we had been working on it mm-hmm. since 1996. And so it was very easy to get started. We say, well, uh, I, I said, well, you know, the next environmental justice assault, I will start an organization, you know, because they are so frequent, you know, at least twice, at least twice a year, if not four times a year in Hartford itself. So I said, I'll start this one in Hartford during the next environmental justice, you know, so I, 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 you know, I had to learn what environmental justice is. So we started and we to fight against a new power plant that, that was uh, proposed after the nuclear power plants had to close. So we started and we were able to get that first uh, power plant, able to get them to dismantle uh, this temporary power plant instead of making it permanent, um, like they, like they had proposed, you know, Hartford has the fifth largest trash incinerator in the country. Um, at that time, we also had eight other waste facility. Uh, at that time, we took trash from uh, three states and 70 towns. Uh, we were able to get them to stop taking it from the other states. So we only had Hartford, uh, we only had Connecticut trash. 
A third of the trash went to Hartford. A third of the trash went to Bridgeport. Hartford was, at that time, the second largest city in Connecticut. Bridgeport is the largest. Mm -hmm. uh, Hartford um, has the highest percentage of people of color. Bridgeport had the second highest percentage of people of color. So Connecticut burns more of its trash than any other state. 90% of the trash is not recycled, is burned. And so, and one third is burned in Hartford, one third in Bridgeport, and then the other third was divided among four other trash incinerators in in smaller communities and and wealthier communities. So anyway, so we started uh, fighting that trash incinerator, uh, which was also producing electricity, trash energy. So so we were able to stop that one. We were eventually able to have a, a lot of other uh, a number of other successes. When we started being successful in Hartford, then they started moving all of the uh, hazardous facilities, the new hazardous facilities being proposed to New Haven. So then we started organizing in New Haven. Then they started moving them to Bridgeport. We started organizing in Bridgeport. Then they started moving them to Waterbury. And those are the four uh, highest percentage of people of color towns in Connecticut, uh, with Hartford being number one, Bridgeport number two. Uh, New Haven number three and Waterbury number four. So it's clear that that there is a direct correlation between not only historically where environmental uh, environmentally hazardous facilities were located, but new and expanded environmentally hazardous facilities were located. We did a study with the University of Hartford, and the, that's the greatest predictor of where environmental hazards go in Connecticut is the percentage of people. And that's not only true in Connecticut, it's true in every um, study, every state uh, that I've looked at, they find the same things. And wh how are you going about like to stop that, say, the power plant or to dismantle the temporary power plant? Or is that going straight to the governor or is it the state legislature or how, what's the, who are you engaging with and how are you making that happen? So we start where we are. So we started organizing um, residents. Um, you know, did you know about this new power plant that's being proposed in your neighborhood? No, no. Well, uh, you know, uh, do you know about the links between that and asthma? No. Do you know that we have a 20% asthma rate, um, uh, twice the national average? No. You know, uh, does this matter to you? Uh, yes, of course. You know, and so we started organizing. We started going to the state agencies. Uh, the state environmental agency um, was the one, but we started organizing the uh, local elected officials and the state elected officials also. Uh, for the first three years, there were several city council members who were opposed to our agenda and were, you know, attacking us and, and me personally. And then mm. after three years, we built up enough power. Uh, we, we didn't intend to, uh, to target, uh, politicians, but after three years, no politician could oppose our agenda and win election mm. in Hartford. And then the same thing happened in New Haven after two years. Um, and then in Bridgeport, not, uh, we, we weren't as, as effective in Bridgeport, but, but they were pretty, it got to the point where in New Haven, the mayor's chief of staff came to us and said that his job, part of his job was to find out our agenda so that they could co-opt it. Uh, <laughs> that's what he told me. 
<laughs> I said, well, but, you know, we're organizing and we're doing this and, and you know, we don't know our agenda. You know, it's being developed by the um, by the residents, you know. Oh, but do you have any idea? Well, we might be working on this or that or the other. And I said, but, uh, I said, but you know, but we don't know when we uh, and it's part of our organizing. Oh, yeah, I understand it's part of your organizing. But if you let us know in advance, um, we will cave faster. Uh, than, than <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I've never had the opponent say that to me. I would like that. Tell me what you want and I'll cave faster. Uh, oh, that's so yeah. great. But it obviously took a lot of work and a lot of time. Uh, and and we, yeah. we, we had very hard-fought victories. You know, we got the first – they had 25 members on their board of alders. For the first time in the history of the city, we had three Green Party people who were elected because the Democrats opposed our agenda. And so that's what changed. And the same thing happened in Hartford. We had the first um, Black Green, the first African-American elected on the Green Party ticket to our, our city council. First first African-American in the United States elected on the Green Party ticket here in Hartford. What are they doing now? Who's that? So it started. It was a um, block captain, and then she started getting involved in environmental justice, and um, so then um, she became a civil rights attorney, uh, and um, uh, and got on city council and did that, and so she's now back as a civil practicing civil rights attorney. It's I assume, well, I shouldn't assume. Is Hartford a fairly democratic? I mean, the the ninety percent the... uh, Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. But but still the the Democrats weren't not all the, <laughs> doing right by the people, Democrats not all of right them. By the people. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. We were able to we were able to get green a green party person elected uh and and change change hmm. the um, political dynamics. Did you ever do anything with the state legislature or it just wasn't it was all kind of more local? So after we um started or I guess you said state agencies, right, so right. I get so we that. Were working on the state agencies, but it was about a Hartford uh, mm-hmm. facility, and, and then a New Haven facility, and then the same facility would move to Bridgeport, then the same facility would move to Waterbury. So then we said, well, you know, this is crazy. Um, we have to work on the state level to change all of these laws and rules and policies right. that allow these companies to go uh, to the communities where, you know, uh, with the lowest income and and the highest percentage of people of color. Um, uh, right. You know, there are 169 towns and everything winds up in the top four uh, towns. And so, you know, that has to change. So we started working on lots of things on, on environmental justice bills and on rates on, on asthma. Each year we, we tried a different approach to environmental justice and it was very difficult. And so every time I talked about environmental justice, I would have to explain what environmental justice is. We got the legal conservation voters to do a survey of legislators asking them what environmental justice was. And they said that it was the funniest survey that they had ever done, uh, that they got so many different uh, responses, uh, you know, because right. they just made stuff up. Uh, and uh, 
Yeah, not a lot of right answers, yeah, not I'm a guessing. Lot of right answers in, in that at all. I mean, yeah. So you know, we had to spend a lot of time educating folks about what environmental justice was, and it took us about three to four years before legislator any new legislator that I went to um, would be able to tell me what environmental justice was before I told her or him. Hmm. So you were persistent. <laughs> It takes a lot of persistence right. to do yeah, the work. Yeah. And so right. it, yeah. it actually took us about six to eight years to pass our environmental justice law, which at that time was the strictest of its kind in the country. It was a basically a community notification law. And, and it was because of our environmental commissioner at the time, Gina McCarthy, that we were able to get that oh. done. You may have heard of Gina McCarthy. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, yeah, her name, it rings a bell. Yeah, she went on to be the EPA administrator and is now in the White House domestic uh, climate uh, policy. So she's in climate, I'm in climate. Uh, so anyway, so... so <laughs> yeah, there you and, go. And uh, so... <laughs> So I thought she came out of Mass. I mean, I know she's from right. Massachusetts, and I knew she had been in state government there. I didn't realize she had a role in Connecticut. Was that that's no, prior to she left Massachusetts? She spent like four years, three or four years, um, in Connecticut uh, I before see. she went to EPA. That's very interesting. So yeah. uh, she was a, a supporter. Yes, and she was able to assign D Department of Environmental Protection staff to find out what the mm -hmm. opposition was. And so they would tell, yeah. you know, other white people what their opposition was, you know, uh, but yeah. they wouldn't tell uh, anybody of color. And so they were able, we were able to make the changes that were needed in order to get the bill through, um, you know, with, with her support and with the information that she was able to get. So let me tell you one other thing. So one of the things that, that we found out through their information was that we had given some authority to the civil rights agency to review and to approve plans. And they said, well, if you include the civil rights, the state civil rights agency in this, this implies that it's a racist, that there's previous racism and uh, previous racist policies. And we don't want to imply that the state of Connecticut is, is a racist state. And I said, I said, who can read all of that into that? You know, I said, I said, I said, I said, you know, how, how do you come up with that? Uh, um, and it's not a big deal. If you don't want that agency, it's not a big deal. Just tell us, you know, I said, I said, so when, while you were doing this work, so this is the periods 1996, I think you said you started, at officially 98. Right. Up and up through when? So this is actually the early 2000s, mostly, mostly oh, okay. early 2000s. Um, okay. So were you enjoying the work? Did you like what you were doing? Do you, yeah, it, did you enjoy the work at, while you were doing it? It is really hard work, but it is very rewarding also. And there mm -hmm. was very little money. Uh, environmental justice has suffered because of the lack of, of support and understanding and particularly funding uh, for that. Mm -hmm. You know, environmental justice is local. 
And so, you know, you're never going to get a national funder or um, or very few regional funders uh, to fund uh, right. the, the local. So I, I went to our community foundation and they said, you know, in, you know, we're in a city and so we don't fund anything that has to do with environment. We don't, you know, that's not a priority. We're, you know, we're an urban funder. You know, we, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't have. There's any, no environment you know, in a city. In the city. <laughs> we don't even allow them in the city. You know, <laughs> I said, well, you know, but people breathe air in this city. You know, and they and they drink water too. And, you know, and I said, so, that's really I so. So they said, you know, and then it's not really health, uh, you know, and so you know, and then we don't have anybody on staff who could evaluate even a proposal uh, for environmental justice, and we don't have the money set aside for that kind of stuff. So, so no, we can't do that. Um, yeah, and, and and sounds like they had four bad excuses, <laughs> right? Not just one, <laughs> right? Yeah, they give you four bad excuses, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so getting funding was very, very difficult, um, but it mm. was so life-changing for the people you have to invest time in education and you know and you expect uh, or some people would say oh you know you know mark you're just pumping those old people up with all this information uh and then after a few years after they started losing elections um another city council member came to me and said mark you're teaching all of these old people to to uh, to talk to say things that we can't even pronounce so it must be important uh, <laughs> you know What's endometriosis? You know, what's, um, uh, you know, we don't know this stuff must be really important. So, yeah, let's do it. You know, so, 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 you know. Uh, before we did that, we, we would talk to our community folks and they, you know, and some of the city council members would attack me, you know, oh, you know, Mark, you used to have a real job running the health department. What are you doing now? You know, just uh, hanging out with uh, with old ladies. And so so then one of these old ladies said, well, you know, he's my nephew. Um, I'm going to go talk to him. You know, and so, and so, and so, and, uh, oh, yeah. and, and, and so anyway, so, and, and then again, he lost the next election. Uh, really? Yeah. And so, <laughs> so, so it was just very, very, very interesting. And, and life changing for for the folk. You know. So they start. So they would start going to. Uh, you know, we would train them how to speak to, give testimony, and how to speak to elected officials. Yeah. And then uh, some of them would say, "Well, you know, well, what about uh, endometriosis? What about the trash incinerator and the dioxin? Uh, what about the the? You know, what are you doing about it?" And they would say. A dioxin? What's dioxin? Don't tell me you don't know what dioxin is. I know what dioxin is. You're the elected official. You know, <laughs> you must. And they said, yeah. and I, and they would say, well, no, we really don't know what dioxin is. And they would say, oh, really? You're the elected official. You know, I'm a nobody. You know what? So you're saying that I know more than you? You know, and oh, and it's happened again um, at the state legislature. And what about this? Oh, really? I can know something that that the uh, that elected officials don't know, um, and yeah, yeah right. and it matters. And I can do that. And if I can do that, then maybe I can go back to school. You know, maybe it's not just these Saturday mm. classes. Maybe I can get a, a a better job. You know, maybe I can do this. And then they would start changing their lives uh, because they had 
a few additional skills, a little bit more knowledge, and a lot more confidence uh, in right. what they what they could do. So we had a lot of elderly people in our group, and um, a number of them died. And even the mm-hmm. young people, in, in, when I go visit environmental justice groups all over the country, it's not unusual that I go back a year later and somebody I hadn't met previously is dead uh, because of the mm-hmm. exposures to all of these toxics toxicants right so we would have a you know maybe one or two people die a year from our group and um, you know mostly elderly uh, and some disabled and so i would go to the funerals and they next to their casket they would have their certificate of completion for the asthma education program as the highlight of their life and so you know and so it was amazing how much it meant to people and how much it changed their lives and how much it changed the politics of the local communities. But it requires a lot of investment, a lot of time and people who can, you know, who have the, the ability, it requires, you know, organizing expertise, it requires uh, legal expertise, it requires scientific and or medical uh, expertise. Right. Yeah, and the ability to communicate uh, with uh, low-income people and people of color, you know, so some cultural expertise and and so on. Right, and to be able to withstand all the negative coming at you from elected folks, business folks, from all you know. sides, from all sides. Yeah, yeah. from yeah. all sides. Yeah. Um, but the, it, enough to build up your political support, um, right? Uh, you know, so that you have other people who are. Um, yeah, supporting you, and that you're not on your own. Um, what uh, I was asked to go to a conference and to give a talk on how industry attacks individual leaders. Uh, yes, because I had so much experience uh, with being attacked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was, and that's before you knew about the Tobacco Institute. No, I guess you did. You yeah, knew yeah, that because they had come. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The, the memos they, later, but yeah, the memo was later. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Um, and so, no, right? Yeah, I, I had um, our trash incinerator operator had tried bribing me. Uh, they really yes. Uh huh. They they said you know well we, you know we need you to do some consulting you know we'd like for you to do co- some consulting. And the amount that you wrote down last time was was fine, but we left it blank this time. You know, you can put in whatever number you want, but you know we wanted, but we've had some suggestions on what you might find uh, when you finish. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and um, uh, and the la- and and what you asked for the last three times that was okay. There's no problem, but we we'll, but we left it blank again this time. <laughs> so it's like, so put in whatever you want, uh, and then and then they we had some uh, funders who were who were giving a tour to, and actually the Catholic Church. Uh, we, uh, they were giving a bus tour, uh, a toxic tour, and uh, they went to mm-hmm. the trash incinerator. When we were getting off the bus, they uh, even though they said that, that that we shouldn't have the tour, that you know that they're too busy and blah 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 blah, they had somebody there to meet us at the bus and to pass out uh, leaflets uh, one by one to everybody coming off and say you know uh, thank you, welcome, we're we're glad that you're here. You know we'll begin the tour shortly. The leaflets said uh, the Catholic Church is accusing us of, of damaging the health of uh, Hartford residents. We challenge them to prove that that's the case. 
And then while we were there, I gave a tour and started asking them, you know, embarrassing questions. And then um, at the same time, they called the archdiocese and said that if the Catholic Church continued to associate with me, that, that the trash incinerator folks would sue them. And uh, <laughs> right. And so, uh, uh, unbeknownst to me, they had a meeting of the Catholic Church in all of Connecticut and Rhode Island combined uh, to talk about whether they would associate with me. And they came wow. yeah, and then they came out of that and they decided to fund us. Um, so, <laughs> oh, really? Yes, uh, wow. And so, for the next three years, whenever I would meet anybody in the hierarchy, they say, oh, you're the Dr. Mitchell. <laughs> and, I, and at first I said, what are you talking about? Oh, never mind. <laughs> anyway, there are lots of stories, oh, lots of stories, lots of stories. <laughs> the Toxic Avengers podcast is produced by me, Daniel Rosenberg. You can visit our website at ToxicAvengersPodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at ToxicAvengerPod. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. Send your feedback and guest requests to ToxicAvengersPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Toxic Avengers Podcast.